Welcome to Streets and Eats, the podcast where we want to inspire your next trip by telling you about some fantastic destinations and the best food to eat while you're there. Now remember, until the world opens completely back up and you feel safe to travel again, use this time to research and plan. That's what we're here for. In this episode, we're going to take you to one of my favorite cities in the world, Istanbul. This is one of the most exotic and amazing cities we've ever been to. We've been to Istanbul more together more times than we can count. And I've been there even more than that because I went there as a child as well. It's one of those cities that's like a siren and it calls you back over and over again. I'm not sure if it's the history, the food, or just the plain old character of the city, but it is amazing. Amazing. There's so much to do that's traditional and cosmopolitan at the very same time. It spans two continents. It's unique and it's tons of fun. We want to talk about Istanbul today mainly because we miss it so much. We can't wait to go back to Turkey as soon as this pesky pandemic has run its course. I'm done with it. Right. But as I said, I've been to Istanbul. It's one of those cities that I remember because of um, part of it is my nostalgia from when I was a kid. Yeah, you lived like right across the water from there. Yeah. So it's on the Marmara Sea and across the Marmara Sea from Istanbul is a city called Yalova. Now, Yalova, when I lived there, was a dusty little town and it was amazing. We would have, we were 30 kilometers from the Air Force base that my dad was stationed on. And we used to take these blue Air Force buses back and forth so that we didn't have to be dependent on mom and dad picking us up. So even as a 12, 13 year old, I was pretty independent and I was all over that place. Um, but I remember especially that the school I went to on the base had about 200 students, middle school and high school, and the whole school would pack up and go on field trips together. So we went on field trips to Istanbul all the time. The bus would hire, the school would hire a bus and it would pick everybody up and take us to the ferry, or we would meet at the ferry, like if I lived in Yalava, a lot of people live in Yalava. And then we take the ferry across to Istanbul, which would take about an hour. And it would be the early one. So it would be nice and crisp and cool. What grade was this? I was like in seventh grade, seventh, seventh grade. and eighth so grade. Can you imagine grade. middle schoolers going to Istanbul? A whole for, school of them. Yeah. And then that we get off the ferry and we were assigned teachers to be with, of course. But it was not as, you know, rigid as it is today. And I remember getting off the ferry in Emanonu and then crossing the Galata Bridge and running up the Galata Tower. And just, I mean, we just had the run of the place. So I'll talk about that a few times when we mention some of the places that are so nostalgic to me as as we go through places of um, to see and do while you're there. But just, just know, I know that if you go there, you'll love it as much as I do. Yeah. Jim, what was your first impression of Istanbul? Well, the first time I went to Istanbul, I was, of course, older. I didn't, well, you were married to me and had two children. I didn't to live in Turkey until, uh, yeah, our, th- our 30s or 40s, I guess. 40s. 40s, yeah. Tell I had visited about. Turkey uh, early on in my Air Force career on a TDY, and we got to tour around the country a little bit off-duty, but we didn't get up to Istanbul at all. So I've always wanted to go to Istanbul. Constantinople. It's been one of my dream cities. Istanbul, Constantinople. How's that go? Istanbul. I don't know, but I don't think you Something do either. Something like that. <laughs> I, that's probably the wrong tune. I'm, I'm famous for that. There is a song. <laughs> anyway. I don't know where it's from. Um, but yeah, it always has always been one of my dream cities. 
So to get the chance to go there was incredible. Um, I think we went almost right away after we got to Ankara, where we lived for four years. We lived in Ankara, which is the capital of Turkey, for four years. And if you know anything about uh, Turkey, Ankara and the Anatolian side is 100% completely different than Istanbul. Actually, there's there's nothing in the world like Istanbul. It's just so unique. Such a unique combination of history. Yeah, we did go to Istanbul right after we moved there. It was one of our first trips. Yeah, I agree. We took the overnight train, uh, and which is an experience in and of itself. Taking the train from Ankara to Istanbul goes through the countryside, and then it comes into uh, that northwest corner where it starts to approach the Black Sea, Uh, and it's just that's an incredible train ride, ride in and of itself. Eating in the dining car and just watching the scenery go by, and then you go to sleep. And you wake up and you're approaching Istanbul and you're starting to see the city and it comes into the station at Haidar Pasha, uh, which is on the Asian, is it the Asian side? Well, actually, I think Haidar Pasha is like on a little island by itself. It's in the middle of no, well, it's, it it's got to be on the Asian side. That I know. Yeah, it's on the Asian side because you, you're coming in from you're on a train, the east. Duh. And you get off the the train at the station. It's a one of those. It feels like an island. Really, yeah. It's <laughs> one of those really cool old European stations in that European style, where all the trains come directly into one big open building, mm-hmm. and they dead end at the end of the tracks. It, yeah, and the and the and the station platforms go all the way out through the covered area of the station. Yeah. It's and you very get off cool. And the station itself is worth it's a, a very sh- cool place. place to go. And you get off, and of course, there's porters wanting to carry mm-hmm. your bags and touts. And now they're not quite wearing fez or mm. like shalvar pants, you know. But you know you're in Turkey. That's for sure. Turkey. And that's an experience in and of itself. Just walking through the station, like we said. But then to get to the main part of the city, because you're still on the Asian side, and you want to get to the European side, cross the water. Which I mean, come on, Istanbul. That's that's why you're there to go through the straits, and so you get on the ferry, and it's a, a city ferry. So it's you, cheap. It, it's a cheap public transport, and it takes you across the water, bobbing and and weaving through all of the oh, traffic. There's so much traffic. There's fishing, fishing boats, fishing and boats, tour boats, and other boats. ferries going here and there, ships. Traveling through the Straits Cargo to the Black ships, Sea yeah. and then out to the Mediterranean the other direction. Uh, yeah. And it's just a, an incredible, just going through the water is is amazing. But across the water, you mm-hmm. see the Golden Horn. You see all the minarets of the mosques. Hagia uh, mm-hmm. Sophia, the Blue Mosque. You come around Iosophia past- Hagia Sophia is not the Blue Mosque. Hagia Sophia and oh. the Blue Mosque. That's what I was trying to say. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you come past Topkapi Palace. Uh, and just the that oldest part of the city that's got so much rich history. Well, it's got it's such a, an amazing cityscape, city uh, skyline. Yes. Because, yeah, I mean there are mosques in other parts of the world, but there, but this part, nothing like a Turkish mosque. Well, well and nothing like um, all concentrated in this mm, one right. little area. So you see minaret after minaret with domed roof and domed roof and just you know those red tiled roofs. It's just 
it's breathtaking. It is. Quite frankly, it's breathtaking. And the, you're coming in in the morning. The city is alive. Uh, there's a little bit of maybe some marine fog laying around with some mist. And the smells and the sounds, it's just incredible. It's everything that you dream of So when you think of Istanbul. So I think that the first time you go to Istanbul, obviously, is going to be your most amazing and memorable memory. Um, So, yeah. But once you get there, oh, you'll want to go back again and again. And even if you fly in and you take the tram in from the airport, it's still, you're still going through the city and seeing all the sights from the windows for the first time. And it really just captures the imagination. So when is the best time to go, do you think? I mean, I like it any time of year. We've been so many times. We, we have. And I think we've been every season. Um, well, okay, so let's break it down a little bit. If you go in the winter, it's cold, but it's not as cold as it, you as you know other parts of Turkey because it's not out on the plains. It's near the it's water. The, it's on the it does have some snow occasionally, once or twice a year. Um, and it's chilly. I would say you would want a winter jacket. And you probably want to, if you're touring and walking around, you probably want to take a few more chai or coffee breaks right. to your coffee breaks. Hat and gloves. Hat and like gloves. Like we always say, layer. Yeah, but other than that, it's not, it's really not It's really not bad it's at not all. It's not too bad at all. Spring comes around, however, and Turkey, I don't know if anybody knows this, but Turkey is famous for tulips. In right, fact, everybody always thinks of the Netherlands. That's right. And the Dutch tulips, where did they come from? They came from Turkey. They a came gift from to Turkey. The, to the queen or the king. That's right. So most people didn't know that that's where the Dutch tulips came from. They came from Turkey. They originated and um, were first cultivated in Central Asia. So they, too, have this beautiful April um, sort of Dutch tulip festival, not Dutch, but just tulip Turkish festival. Tulip festival. <laughs> Turkish tulip festival, and they're beautiful. They're everywhere. And they're just, everywhere. Yeah, it's just a beautiful time to go. Plus, the weather is spectacular in the spring and the right. fall. It is not clear too skies, hot. Yeah, clear. clear skies. It's not too rainy. Um, it, the weather is just amazing. It's it's chilly in the morning and the evenings, but during the day, it's pretty nice. Um. You're not going to have too cold a temperatures. You can really get out and have some fun. Then, of course, summer. I mean, it's on the water. It's yeah. just beautiful. So it's going to can... get hot, but it's but it is on the water. So it's not going to get as hot as um, in other parts of Turkey. No, and they have these islands, nine islands off the southeastern uh, coast of the city called the Prince's Islands. Princes, as in multiple one prince. one prince. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And just for centuries, people have been escaping the city and going out to these islands. And this is one of the things I too did with my um, school when I was in seventh or eighth grade. Um, we took the ferry over to Istanbul and took the ferry to Bukhara, which means big island. And then you get off the ferry at Bukhara and you take a donkey up to this old Greek monastery. Yeah. It's just so cool. It's a cool. great trip. That's a good day trip. It's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. So you can do that still as a day trip and out of Istanbul. And you're on an island in the Marmara Sea. Yeah. So it's a little bit cooler even than in Istanbul. It's just... It's a good escape from the city in the summer for sure. So summer's a great time because you have the whole coast to sit along and they have tons of outdoor cafes and it's just beautiful. Um, of course, the only problem with summer is you've got higher tourist crowds. More tourists. But, you know. And Istanbul is a popular destination, so you're going to be dealing with that. 
it's still really, I don't think you can go to Turkey really at a bad time or Istanbul. And you can stay in so many different parts of the city. Um, one way to do it is to find something a little further on the outskirts. It's on a tram line or the metro line, like we always say. You might save a little bit of money that way with your lodging costs. Um, but what we really love to do in Istanbul is stay right in the heart of it. Uh, you're not going to spend a lot much more money than something on the outskirts, but you're going to be right in the middle of the old town if you stay in Sultan Ahmet which is where we usually recommend people go. Especially your first time. Once you've been there once or twice, then you can move to some of the other uh, neighborhoods like Katakoy or uh, Emanonu even, which is a little bit close, but not too close. But but you will know that after you go the first time. The first time you really want to be in the thick of it for yeah. sure. Sultan Ahmed. So much to do from walking if you stay in that area. And of course, it's connected by ferry down at the water or by tram or by bus to the rest of the city. So you can pretty much walk between the major sites in Sultan Ahmet. Yeah. Um, for example, the most popular uh, well-known mosque is the Blue Mosque or the Sultan Ahmet Mosque, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, it's got it's famous because it has six minarets. It's not the largest mosque in the world, but it is a pretty good size mosque. And, and it's one of the most beautiful, I think. It is because it has all the beautiful Iznik blue tiles. That's why it's called the Blue Mosque. Iznik is one of those small towns, actually not far from Yalava. I used to go there as a kid as well. And it's known for its famous blue tiles. It's because ceramics, yeah. It's ceramics. Hand painted. And so stunningly beautiful. Both Top Copy Palace and the Blue Mosque got a lot of their. Uh, tiles from there they're beautiful um to go to a mosque in turkey it, it in a lot of places that you travel with it um in the world the mosque can be off limits to tourists because right. they don't know that you are going to be dressed appropriately or know what the proper etiquette is um or they just don't really want to deal with tourists in their religious buildings. But there are a few places that you can go. And Turkey, for some reason, is a place where you can go into any mosque. They are not restrictive at all. They do ask you, of course, to follow their rules. Right. You've got to be respectful. The one rule for women especially is that you need to wear a scarf and you need to have your elbows and knees covered. Um, and everybody... Man and woman needs to remove their shoes before entering. That's right. So wear socks. And and if you don't bring your own scarf, which if you're traveling to Turkey or anywhere, you should bring a bring scarf that's scarf. yours anyway. But if you don't, um, they provide them for you. And so you just borrow one and put it on, you know, as you're going in. Um, and then you just sort of make sure that you're not there during Friday prayer times because Friday is the holy day of the week. And that you're very respectful of people who are there to pray or to, you know, do what they're doing, meditate, whatever they're doing. Um, But it's so worth going to the blue mosque and just wandering around, looking at the chandelier, looking at the tiles, looking at how big the dome is and seeing all the different kinds of people that were there. One memorable time, I think the first time Jim ever went, um, I have pictures of these Kazakhs, in their Kazakh um, 
black robes. Their, yeah, their black robes and their furry hats and their, you know, their very Asian sort of weathered faces. And a whole group of them came out. It was just such a, I don't know, such a moment because they were so impressed with going to the Blue Mosque as well. It was really neat. Yeah. Um, and, the, and walking around the outside of the Blue Mosque is just as incredible. It's got the huge uh, walled in courtyards with the columns and pillars around it. And the intricately carved doors and stuff like that. Yeah. Beautiful. It's just beautiful. Everywhere you go, it's gorgeous. Now, another place that is a must do is called Hagia Sophia. And, and it's right across that. Well, I mean, you call it a courtyard, I guess. Yeah. But it's a very massive area. Um, and it's all gardens between and fountains and which is a beautiful place to walk as well. And just to maybe sit on a bench and watch the world go by in between the Hagia Sophia and the Blue Mosque to have both those stunning pieces of architecture on either side is incredible. The Hagia Sophia had its start uh, like fifth century uh, built by Alexander the Great as a church. And it was the first of its kind to be built with that huge dome structure, uh, really impressive. And then Constantine came in, and that's you know that's why it was named Constantinople because he made it the head of the Christian Church. Yeah. So it turned into a Christian church, and then for many for many years, long after that, it went back and forth Christian Muslim Christian Muslim. But it, then for many years, it was also a um, a um, museum. Yeah, right. Just and, and you're recently, right. it wasn't built by Alexander the Great. It was built by Constantine the Great. Yeah, Constantine. Right. Um, and then it was a mosque for the longest time, converted to a mosque. But they kept all the, well, at least most of the massive, beautiful gold mosaics inside the church. Um, those are still on, still on display, and uh, it was turned into a museum so they weren't actively using it as a mosque for the longest time but then uh in the last year or two they've the president they've decided the president decided that it would become a mosque again and there's good and bad with that it, it does kind of add a little bit of restriction to when you can go in like we said you, you can't go in during prayer times um but because it's a mosque it's free to enter so you don't have to pay to enter the Hagia Sophia anymore well we haven't been back to Hagia Sophia we've been I don't know two three or four times but we haven't been back since it's been reconverted to uh, a mosque and is being used as a religious building because basically they changed it over and then there was this the big P the pandemic. So um, right. when we get back, we're definitely going to check it out again. And especially since now it's free, um, we'll check it out again and see, you know, how much has changed and how much you can actually see of the building. I think that might be one of the downfalls is that yeah, you used to be able to explore quite a bit through the building, yeah. the upper floors. You could get somewhat close to the mosaics and up into the dome. Yeah, I don't know if all of that's still open. Yeah, or if if you'll be able to wander the building quite as freely as you used to be able to. Well, we'll see. We but will it's see. Still, no matter we'll what, back, yeah. we love it. No matter what, you need to go there. It's still a very historical, important building in the city. Um, that same area is where the old uh, Roman Hippodrome was. 
Greek Hippodrome. Yeah, probably Greek. Greek and then Roman. I'm sure yeah. it was both. Uh, That's the amazing thing not- about Istanbul. I mean, it goes back centuries and centuries and centuries. It's so amazing. And there's not a lot to see of the Hippodrome. No, there's a couple of obelisks where uh, they... Yeah, but it's a great place. It's right uh, on the side of Sultan Ahmet, uh, the mosque. And there's some really good chai stands where you can just sit and drink chai and watch the people walking around the Hippodrome area. And then, of course, there's the Cistern Basilica right there. Mm. The Cistern Basilica, it, you may have seen pictures of it. It has a big Medusa head that's upside down. And the Cistern used to, um, of course, hold lots of water for the city. But it's just a really cool place to go down. If it's summer, it's a, it's a it really is cool. cool place to go down <laughs> it's to. It's a great thing to do in the middle of the day. So don't do that in the early morning or the evening. Make sure you get the full use out of the coolness and go during the height of the the heat of the day. Um, but it's, it's you know, it's doesn't take long to get through, but it's really pretty. And just gives you a good idea of the amazing um, architecture. Engineering. And engineering. Of ancient times, actually. Yeah, it's a huge cistern, 336 columns holding the ceiling up, uh, providing that support. And they would fill it with water for having water to hold out during sieges. And uh, But this, the two stone Medusa heads are really cool. I love looking at those. And just hearing <laughs> the, the drip, drip, drip of water. Uh, going in and and seeing the columns reflected on the water on the floor, that's very cool. So, yeah, the other really big thing to see, well, there's a couple of other really great things to do in Sultan Ahmet, but the other really big sightseeing thing is Topkapi Palace. And the one, there's so much great to do in Topkapi. There are museums there that have ancient artifacts that I mean, like Moses' staff is right. there. And Muhammad's I mean, things sword. that will just, Muhammad's sword, things that will just blow your mind. Uh, beautiful gems and jewels. Plus, um, going through the palace itself, it's got a huge air, harem area where the women used to live. And again, like I mentioned, it has the Isnic tiles. It's just, it's a place where you, gosh, I think we spend at least four or five hours yes, there. Yeah. And half a wow, day at least. At least half a day. It's just one, and it does have a cafe there. So you can right. sit down and have a cup of coffee and take the load like off your eat. feet for a few minutes or get something to eat. But it's, it, you can't pass it up. It's just amazing. And if you go through the top copy, anything you read about shows, um, Shazeraz, what's her name? Shazerazad. Yes, I'm saying it wrong. Shazerazad and the Arabian Nights. You can see it. <laughs> That's what top copy sort right. of means to me, even though it's not Arabia, but it gives you the idea. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's one of the best museums I've been to. It has a huge and weapons it's an collection. Old palace at the same time. Yeah, and yeah, of my course, favorite probably is the weapons collection. Of course, it's got a gorgeous view of the Golden Horn. I mean, it's right there. Right on the water. So. Beautiful. Don't miss it. And all of that is right there in the Sultan, Sultan Ahmed area. <laughs> well, also, you're usually looking for something to do in the evenings, right? And there's a couple of ideas that we have right there in Sultan Ahmed is you can go to the, the Serkechi 
old train station that was on the European side. And they often have shows for whirling dervishes there. Now, whirling dervish, I'm sure you've seen pictures, are um, these these um, Muslims who basically go into a trance-like state after just whirling around and around and around to some traditional music. And let me tell you, so when we went to this show, it is not anything like the original Whirling Dervish show that you might go to where it originated in Konya. I've done that as well. I did that as a kid. Oh my gosh. I think I was there like three hours, three hours of twirling dervishes was a little bit much for my my um, middle age my middle school age self but even the 45 minutes (laughs) that you can do it at sir catchy it's just about the right time you go in it's a real intimate little um area and you have you everybody can see perfectly there's lights um by the time it gets going and they do the talk and the show for 45 minutes to an hour it's it's just perfect it's yes. just the right, amount, the right of time. amount of time and you really get a feel it's very for, tastefully done yeah it is you, you still feel the respectfulness of the fact that this is a religious experience for these for these um dancers and it's yeah it's just magical is not really the right word um exotic I, for sure exotic yeah old hmm. like like old timey, just something that Keeping would not really, alive. yeah, really seem to exist in today's world, but, but it, it does. still does. Um, another thing you can do is go to a hammam, and I've written extensively about hammams on my site, Reflections and Route. But basically, a hammam, a Turkish bath, everybody's heard of Turkish baths, and most places around the world sort of copied it, have picked up something, yeah, like it. Um, but I'm gonna after being, <laughs> I'm gonna say a Japanese onsen, Korean baths, uh, all the places I've been, even in anywhere in America that offers a Turkish bath. There's nothing. There's nothing like quite like a Turkish an authentic Turkish mom. <laughs> and you've got to do it, and it is fabulous. And you know what's really different too, because of the covering up the bodies. Now men are stark naked, right? Uh, you have a little towel. You have a towel that you wrap around your waist. Oh, you do. But then when you're on the when you're laying on the marble, uh, yeah, you naked. don't. But it, the women usually wear their panties. Mm, so okay. if you're going to go into the hammam as a woman, you won't bring an extra pair of panties. But you wear them in there, and that's that's to keep your, um, you know. Not have everything hanging out, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, they're still touch you pretty much well not everywhere but they're giving you pretty good massages when they clean you up good massage exfoliation uh, splashing with hot water splashing with cold water what i would do is i would go to the hotel um that you're staying at and say you know where would be a good one to go to there are some that are more geared towards tourists and there are some that are more traditional um the first time you might want to go to one that's more geared towards tourists but then right. at some point in your trip, get to a more authentic one that's going to be in a centuries, maybe thousand year old hammam building with that ancient marble everywhere and get that full experience. And you and the great thing about hammam is I would do that early in your trip because it gets you over yeah, jet lag. It's a no great problem. cure for jet lag. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And then the other big thing to do in Sultanahmet, I mean, maybe one of the biggest is the Grand Bazaar. The Grand Bazaar. And boy, is, is it, it huge. It's it's labyrinthian. I mean, so easy to feel like you're getting lost. I mean, basically, if you just keep walking and walking and walking and walking, you're going to find You'll find an uh, exit an somewhere. Exit. And you'll <laughs> also find whatever you're looking for. No matter which direction you go, you're going to find everything uh, and more than you can even imagine. But there are some signs that help guide you around. So you kind of want to get a sense of which gate you came in and which gate you're heading to if if you don't want to get lost and spend extra time there. But yeah, every time we've been there, I've ended up in different parts of the bazaar and seen different things. There are something like 2,000 stalls. Yeah. it It is amazing. It is just... It's a whole covered market. It too has tiles Carpets, and beautiful... tiles. Well, I mean, hat. I mean, the decorations of the, oh, yeah, yeah. of the bazaar itself is beautiful with its art ceilings and yeah. its tiles and just old-timey steps and things like that. But then, yeah, I mean, you can buy literally everything that you could buy anywhere else in Turkey. It is gorgeous. Yeah, so if you're not going to get a chance to get out into the countryside... It's the place to to buy your souvenirs or uh, that carpet that we were talking about, trays, clothing. But you don't have to worry about buying it there either. There are plenty, 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 plenty of shopping plenty opportunities of shopping opportunities in Istanbul, no matter where you go. So that's pretty much the Sultan Ahmed area. Now down from there, um, we the next most popular place probably is Eminönü. And you've got to go to Eminönü anyway in order to take, like Jim said, any of the ferries. That's where a lot of the ferries are leaving out of to go to the Asian side or further down the peninsula or whatever. Um, but there's some really cool things right in the area of the, where the ferry docks as well. There's Galata Bridge, mm -hmm. which when I was a kid, um, they had restaurants on both levels now they only have it on the lower level and there right. were definitely fishermen hanging bustling. off of there and it, it still has fishermen kid, hanging off yeah yeah the fishermen but are still there in my mind it was just so much more chaotic as a kid yeah and probably yeah i don't imagine the tram went across then although you I, may not remember I, I don't remember the tram at all yeah. As a kid, I don't think there was a tram when right. I was a well, kid. Well, it's a pretty modern tram system, it, or it metro system, I should say. Um, but the Galata Bridge is, yeah, it's a bridge to the Asian side, but it's also um, a place where you can go and get lots of dinners or lunches. I mean, there's plenty of restaurants on it. And what a place to sort of eat is to have this bridge underneath the, the road and you're having your lunch or your dinner. And the, one of the most popular things is they have a lot of anchovies or sardines, fish in general, um, as well as a mongol, which is a grill. And they just cook, you know, grill it all up right there. like your lamb scores and things like that. It is a, Something you have to experience. It's fantastic. In that same area in Eminonu, down by the water, there is um, the fish boats. Which? The Balak Ekmek boats. Not fishing boats that are going out to fish, but these little boats that are tied up along the wharf by the bridge. 
uh, that sell fish sandwiches. And they're ornately decorated. Like, yeah, they're crazy. From they're ancient times. Looking. Very oriental looking. And then they have the stand for the actual restaurant part of it more on the cement. Uh, but what you do is you go up and you go to the fish boat and you say, um, you how know, many do you want? Because that's all they have. Ikitani Balakikbik. Right. Ludfen. Two, Two fish, gra- sandwiches, fish sandwiches, please. And they'll put onion and cucumber and a little bit of lettuce on it. And then and you herring. splash lemon and herring. But it's not, we just learned this, it's not a herring that was caught right there at the bridge. You might think it is from all the fishermen, but no, no. They, they sell way too much fish from the fish boats to have been catching it right there on the bridge. This is... Yeah, it's frozen fish. So it's actually previously in. frozen, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's delicious still. It, it, it's an experience. And it They're is an experience. They're throwing it basically all over the place. The boats are just, rocking in the yeah. wakes from the ferries and the other shipping that's going by. And you're on these little plastic tables. They have usually some uh, lemon juice on there you can put on your, your um, fish sandwich. And they have um, like the pickle guy selling juice that you can have some of the traditional pickle juice. I forget what it's called, but... Because I'm not a fan of it. The pickles. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, any other thing that you want. And they even have like they'll have uh, little desserts and stuff. But it's quite an experience. And, you know, I thought at first that this would be just for tourists, right? No, it's not. No, the Turks, they just love it there. It's always busy. Now always. they have been. It has shown up in the news a couple of times recently. Saying they're going to close them down. Closing them down. I hope they don't. Uh, but I hope they don't. I hope they're not already closed down as we're recording this. Yeah. Who knows? Um, anyway. The same area down there is the Yeni Jami, the new mosque. Although I don't think it's very new. It's not new. It's yeah. just newer than Sultan Ahmet Mosque. And uh, what's cool about Yeni Jami is it has tons of pigeons and they sell pigeon food down there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's huge. It's a big open square area. <laughs> It's right a huge next to draw. the Spice Bazaar, which I actually like the Spice Bazaar more than the Grand Bazaar. I think most people do. Yeah. You're not going to be able to buy the same uh, the same stuff that you can get in the Grand Bazaar, that same amount or quantity of things on offer. Or as expensive as stuff. I don't think they get too right. expensive in, in the Spice um, Bar. The Spice Bar, by the way, Bazaar, is actually called the Egyptian, the Egyptian Bazaar. Market, yeah, that's true. Okay, I just but because wanted... they sell a lot of spice there, I think it picked up that name. And so you see the the um, stalls with the colorful spices all piled up into these really cones. neat cones, uh, and what else? Dried fruits and nuts, and... and then they have this great coffee cellar that's right out the back door of the Spice Bazaar, and you can smell his coffee. Mm, they're roasting all it right over there over the place. Oh, People it's are just standing amazing. in line. For a good hour to get fresh roasted coffee. And um, one of the things that we don't always do, but sometimes we like to go to the restaurant right inside the Spice Bazaar called Pandeli. And what's beautiful about it is it, I mean, it's part of the building and it's been there for years. Yeah, it's and one so, of the oldest restaurants in Istanbul. It is. And it's got, gorge, it's just gorgeous place to sit. Um, The... The restaurant offers basically Ottoman and Turkish food, and it's maybe a little bit pricier than some of the other restaurants in Istanbul. But you're paying more for the atmosphere. But you're paying for for atmosphere and where it is and the fact that it's been there forever and lots of famous people have eaten there. 
including Corinne and Jim Vale. That's right. <laughs> Tell them we sent you. <laughs> uh, anything else in that area? Western oh, yes. Pasha Mosque, the oldest mosque uh, in Istanbul. Is it the oldest? I believe it is. I don't know about that. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's the smallest. I don't know if it's the oldest, oldest. mosque. Maybe it's the smallest old. old mosque. It is my favorite mosque. And mainly because, and here we go, hearkening back to my childhood years. I remember we got off the ferry one year and the Turkish host nation teacher um, gathered a group of us by, you know, to him, part of because he had a club. So he club, he gathered all the club members and he says, I'm going to take you someplace special. So since he told me it's special, it's just always been special. And it's really cool because you go out, you go to the Spice Bazaar, you go out past the coffee vendor I was telling you about, and there's a whole other street with more things to, to buy as you're walking up the street. And then you sort of wend your way between a couple of about a couple of blocks and now with google maps it's pretty simple yeah but before google it's on maps, google maps so you're gonna be able to find it <laughs> but before google maps it was not simple and i remember trying to take my family there before we moved away from turkey and i had such a hard time finding it that we ended up having to ask directions even though i thought how simple it is only a couple blocks behind the spice bazaar but but this mosque is it's kind of dark and it's very mysterious. And again, it has these beautiful Isnik tiles. It's small. You just go in and it's got this air of mystery, of solitude, solace. Yeah. Serenity. And I remember my the three Turkish. S's. Yeah. My, <laughs> my Turkish teacher talking in such a reverent voice about the architecture and the tiles and the history of the building that. Maybe, I mean, he, for me, he was part of the mosque and just the entire experience. But even if you go today, I remember taking the girls, our daughters, for the first time and taking Jim for the first time to Ustam Pasta. And I think they like it as some of their best mosque yeah. experiences as well. It's just one of those places that grabs your heart. Yeah. Well, you talk about the atmosphere again. It's it's just such a quiet, you almost feel like you're in a neighborhood, even though you're still in the middle of the city. Uh, and just the old stone and it, you really feel the age of the place. You really feel like you're in some place special. Some, yeah, you've been transported in time. It's and maybe cool. getting through the spice bazaar. I mean, it kind of leads you up to this nostalgic sort of ancient feeling to begin with. I think it's the whole experience. You just have to do it that way. Yeah. Uh, on the, uh, if you go out the spice bazaar the other way uh, and walk towards Sirkeji station, you're going to walk past. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's like Haji a shopping Bek street. Haji Bekir, 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 Haji Bekir, Haji Bekir, which is where they claim locum or Turkish delight was invented. I'm not sure that's true that it was invented there, but they but claim it. That, well, but that that store has been open something since the 1800s. Yeah, it's been selling, there a long time selling, selling Turkish, Turkish delight. delight. It's a beautiful facade. It's got just the store itself is beautiful and going in and then seeing all the different types of Turkish delight that there are. And you can even sit in the rest in the, yeah, in buy the, a couple of pieces and some coffee or some chai and have a seat at one of their beautiful little ornate round tables and, and just have a snack enjoy. and try it. Um, so again, it's not just what you get to do while you're there, but it's part of the experience of sitting there and 
eat being it. there. And then you can, I mean, of course, the idea is that you'll buy boxes and boxes to take home with you. Which you um, will. Which you should. <laughs> my favorites. It travels well, so My favorites are the cream ones. Mm. But I think. I'm a, more of the traditional. The jelly ones. Rose water and pistachio. Yeah. I But there's so many to try. A little bit of coconut on the outside. Or, mm, no, no, so no. So good. I like the coconut one too, but the more traditional is just like a powdered. It's just like a, a sugar. powdered sugar on the outside. Yeah. That's so good. They're all good. I'm going to go back right now. Uh, okay. So for first timers, you might not even get very far out of Sultanahmet. There is so much to do. Um, it depends on how long you're there. If you're there for two days or, or, uh, or more, then there's a lot to do outside of Sultanahmet. Right across the water, you've got the well, Galata Tower and Eminonu, right? Uh, you got the Galata Tower, which you can see from Eminonu uh, on the skyline opposite over the Galata Bridge. Um, it's an old, I think it was an old, just a fire warning tower. But it's gorgeous. It's a stone tower and there's a cafe on the top. and Probably served as a prison at some point in time, like most <laughs> towers did. All uh, but yeah, now it's a restaurant and a museum and it's a great place to go for an evening dinner. At the top of the tower, looking out over the city. Great views. I, I personally wouldn't go there for dinner. I would go there after dinner and look at the views and maybe have a chai. Have a I chai think that's what I would do. Because yeah. I, th- I don't think the cafe... Well, the cafe is there mainly for tourists. And to be honest, I don't think I would recommend it as far yeah. as eating a dinner. For dinner, actually, a better place would be the Hamdi. Yeah, much better place would be which Hamdi. Which is right next to the Spice Bazaar again. Yeah, and what's nice about that is it's right on the Golden Horn. It's and got so, a rooftop restaurant, so it's like four or five stories up. I, I there's no very tall buildings in Eminonu at all. Um, I think they're probably restricted on their height, uh, and it's at that height. Well, and it's great because it has an outdoor balcony, so you can go out there and take all the pictures you want of you and your party and um, with the sun setting or the sun already having set. And the restaurant itself has great Turkish food. It has yeah. lots of um, meze, has a whole meze tepsi that they'll bring around. A meze tepsi is uh appetizer, appetizer tray. tray. And what they do is they'll have all these different types of appetizers um, on this huge tray and they'll bring it around to your table so that you can choose the ones you want. Yeah. That's definitely one of our favorite places. You want to make reservations um, for sure for that one. Yes. Make a reservation. And so there's other things to see in, in um, Istanbul. And if you visit our website, um, we've talked about, Quite a few others. Some of our favorites are the fort called Rumeli Hasari. That's the perfect um, breakfast place. We've got some places to go for maybe having a little drink <laughs> um, and some more shopping. Um, there's just lots and lots of things to do. Day trips out of Istanbul. So check out the webpage um, and it'll tell you more. And I think... Yeah, hopefully this is really gives you a good idea for first timers of what to plan on and what what to expect when you go to Istanbul. Now, don't do this. Don't say, "Oh, that sounds wonderful. I would love to go to Istanbul someday," and then never go. You go back to Paris instead. Don't go back don't to Paris. That. Go to Istanbul. Go to Istanbul. First. Istanbul is so. I mean, I love Paris. Don't get me wrong. Right. I love London. Don't get me wrong. But Istanbul. It's got to be the best city in the world. And it seems so exotic and maybe 
difficult for a first time tourist. But it's not. You'll but be fine. But it's really not. Um, English, of course, is not a, an official language or anything, but it is a cosmopolitan, cosmopolitan international city. So English is a very common language. You really won't have language difficulties. Getting there it's on so Turkish easy to Air get around. is one of the best airlines, Turkish Air. The exchange rate is in our Super favor. Favorable. So you won't be paying anywhere near as much as you would be paying in Paris or London. Uh, so take it from us and go someplace a little bit different and really memorable. Go to Istanbul. Go to Istanbul. And then, but like we like to tell people, go to Istanbul for sure. But then when you get a chance, visit Turkey because Turkey itself is such a incredible (laughs) place to visit. So much history and it's so diverse and so much different than the big city of Istanbul that you're not necessarily going to get a real taste of Turkey in Istanbul, but you'll get a great taste of Istanbul. (laughs) <laughs> and what he's trying to say is we love Turkey, the country as well. And it's completely different yeah. than it's cosmopolitan. Don't stop in Istanbul. Don't stop in Istanbul. Do it all. Thanks for listening. We really love sharing with you all of our fun explorations that we've had around the world. And we really appreciate you listening. We love it when you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, especially, uh, and tell them how much you love us. Give us five stars stars. (laughs) so that people can maybe start to find us more and more and more. And visit the website for more in-depth information. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. And ciao Ciao for for now. now.